Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week three, day five of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 8, 26-40. Welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with a knowledge of you. We're going to know you more through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. We're reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Anytime an angel is involved, this is a big deal. This is a really, really big deal. When angels get involved, it's, it's a big deal. We see so much activity going on in the early days of the church. And even angels aren't often involved in this. And so I just want to remind everyone again that Philip was one of the seven guys chosen to wait tables, to hand out food to widows. That was his job in the church. And this is the kind of stuff that the Lord has anointed him to do. Uh, Speaking to him through angels to go meet people on a road. Verse 27. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. This is, uh, there's a very old historical <clears throat> group of people in Ethiopia that actually f- served the God of Israel. Um, for ages and ages, there were actually people in Ethiopia, black African people in Ethiopia, that said they were descendants of, of Israel, that they were Israelites. And, you know, so many people, no, 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 it's not true. It's not true. I mean, because so many people are like, <laughs> you're black, you're not, you're not Jewish, you're not of Israelite descent, right? And that was forever the mentality of people. And then, you know, some years ago, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago now, uh, ever since we sequenced human DNA in, in 1999, they've been running tests on people and doing samples just to see who's related and where they're related. And there's certain markers um, that, that say, well, you are from, you know, Israel, you're from uh, England or whatever. I mean, that's that's how all of like the 23andMe and the Ancestry.com things where you can take a swab out of your cheek and they'll tell you where you're from, essentially. That's how all that works, is using the DNA sequencing. And they decide, someone decided, was like, let's just go sequence, let's, let's, let's run a DNA analysis. And this is before even all of these, these services got popular, before they even existed. And they're like, let's, let's sample them and do a sequence and see if they do share any traits with Jews and uh, they did it, and they sampled a bunch of people in the tribe, and darned if they weren't telling the truth. All these centuries, these people from Ethiopia, they're black African Ethiopians, and they were Jews. They're, they were Israelites. They had the same, all the same markers saying, yes, they're, they're, they're Jewish. They're sharing those same traits, some same genetic traits. And um, so a lot of people, you know, they looked at passages like this, but there was somehow or another, there got to be Jews and Christians in Ethiopia. And this is probably the Christ, the guy that became Christian first. Um, 
there's also, you know, the, the Queen of Sheba. She's from Ethiopia, essentially. And, you know, she's the one that famously goes to visit Solomon and says, you know, all of the amazing stories, not even half of it was told to me. Anyway, all right, so uh, verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage in the scripture uh, the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Obviously, we know that this the prophet Isaiah is speaking specifically about Jesus, right? Speaking specifically about Jesus. The, the eunuch, right, he is not living in Jerusalem. He's not able to attend uh, the, the temple. He's not able to be taught by the rabbis uh, very often, except maybe when he comes. And so he's looking at this, and, and they're told that you can't understand this unless you have a teacher, a rabbi, to teach it to you. And so he's sitting there reading this like, you know, how can I understand any of this unless someone explains it to me, right? And so Philip just happens along at the right time to hear him reading this. And Philip might just know a thing or two about who Isaiah was specifically talking about. Verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began to began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azadus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Philip, as it turns out, he's going to essentially relocate to Caesarea uh, in the future. But how crazy is this, right? An angel appears to him, tells him to go. He ends up talking to one of the highest officials in the nation of Ethiopia and he becomes a believer. He baptizes him. And almost before, like, basically, it's almost like he baptizes him. And Philip disappears. And the, the eunuch's got to come out of the water. It's like, well, where did he go? Right? And I mean, he knows this is like a supernatural thing. And I'm wondering if the Ethiopian is thinking, you know, did, did uh, was it an angel? Was it a man? Like, who knows? I wonder if if Luke didn't ever talk to somebody in all of these interview processes from Ethiopia, if in one of his trips to Jerusalem, if he didn't meet someone who'd come up to him from Ethiopia and told the eunuch's side of the story, maybe the eunuch even came back up at some point, who knows, but at least we have, we know that he had access to Philip's side of the story. Um, <clears throat> but we also know that the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Philip wouldn't have known that because he disappeared. So it does make me think that, Luke got to talk to somebody at some point. So, I mean, there's a lot of times when we get both sides of the story and, and unless the Holy Spirit is the one speaking how this happened, which I think in Luke's case, I, I think he's actually doing his research on these things and actually, actually talking to people and not just assuming things. 
I mean, he's very detailed and specific about this. I think he got to talk to somebody. Um, so he's had an angel tell Philip to go do this. And then Philip disappears, vanishes, is translated, literally like, you know, beamed across the nation of Israel. And then he goes on his way preaching and teaching. is just doing his thing. It's like this is a Tuesday for Philip, it seems like. The way that they lived in, in the book of Acts, I mean, this is one of the most just amazing and inspiring things. And I think one of the things that people rarely get out of reading the book of Acts and sometimes rarely get out of biographies and things like this, the reason we read this, the reason this is here, it's to inspire us to ask for more. A lot of times we don't have, right, because we don't ask. And when we do ask, we ask with the wrong motives. But most of the time we just don't have because we don't ask. And sometimes we don't have, we don't ask because we don't know what there is that we can ask for. Anytime you hear someone's story about their life in God, anytime you hear the Lord doing things in other people's lives, that's your invitation to say, Lord, I want that in my life. It's okay to be jealous for that and say, I want that. I want that. Not jealous in a way of like, I want that. I don't have it. And you do. So I'm going to do everything I can to destroy you. That's bad jealousy. But there's like this good, jealous stirring up inside of us. Like, I want that too. Lord, Lord, give that to me. Right? The bad jealousy is where we try and go pay Peter and John and say, hey, I want that thing that you do. I want to be able to do that. Here's some money. Give it to me. That's, that's the bad thing. That's the bad way to ask. The right way to ask is to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want this. I want to experience things like this. Say, Lord, if this kind of craziness that Philip is experiencing, if this is available, I want it. I want to, I want to see all the coolest things that you can do. And I want you to do it through me. Like they prayed in Acts 4, make me bold. Remember, they prayed, make us bold by doing these things. And what does Philip do after these amazing supernatural things happen? He gets bold. He goes and he preaches all the more. We want these, these amazing, crazy things to happen. We want it for the purpose of making us bold to speak forth the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we read biographies, when we read historical accounts like this, they are to give us language that we can express what we want. It's like, oh, I didn't even know that you could do that. Didn't know it was possible for, you know, someone to be beamed up like in Star Trek and moved across. But I was like, Lord, you know, if, if, if it'll make me bolder, I want it. I want to see that. I want to I I participate in whatever you're doing, Lord. The book of Acts it is not necessarily just a historical account, but it is like, hey, here's the kind of stuff that's available. Ask the Lord for whatever you want. And especially the Lord, I mean, he shook the building when they said, give us these things so that it will make us bold in speaking out. The Lord likes those prayers. He really liked that prayer. Try praying that prayer. Pray that prayer on a regular basis. Say, Lord, do these amazing things in my life and make me so for the purpose of making me bold enough to, to loosen my tongue, loosen my lips so that I speak out to people around me, the people that are lost and hurting and dying, the people tiptoeing their way to an eternity of separation and punishment from God. Loosen my lips to give them freedom. Give me that boldness. 
That's a prayer that we know that the Lord likes. It's a prayer that we can pray. And we know from the book of Acts that we can ask those bold questions of God. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-week Bible study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's word. Thank you.